0: Welcome, welcome. This is Behind the Wheels. I am your host, DJ Artistic. I am a DJ based in Los Angeles, California, but I'm always in your city, wherever you at, wherever you from. Let me introduce you to my co-host, EB. EB, what's good? What's good, everybody?
1: I am EB. I am the musicologist. I am the black musical guru. I am the nigga that is a writer, cultural
0: blogger, curator. I do all the shit. All of it, all of it So it says behind the wheels We talk about everything uh, involving black music Past, present, and the future So uh, let's go ahead and hop into it And just catch up So uh, the, the talk of the time right now Is the AMAs and the Grammy nominations So AMAs uh, I've been hearing some things about it I know some folks are kind of mad about the whole Doja Cat, you know Yeah, so, Do- um, so Doja Cat won Doja Cat won for Best R&B Artist at the AMAs And uh, EB, uh, yeah Although so. I
1: don't feel she is R&B because, you know, I, I feel like R&B has become a catch-all for um, the N-word. I'm not going to say it because yeah. I'm not sure if Melissa can edit that out. But <laughs> I will say that mm-hmm. I found that Doja Cat is somebody that I really like in every song. Even though she's showing feet in racial chat rooms, <laughs> I, I everything like, yeah. that Doja Cat releases, I find, I'm like oh shit I really like this song this song is hot so I'm not mad at her because I I feel like she's a go getter I like her sound you know sound evolves it's not classic R&B or classic hip hop it's you know the modge podge of whatever genres that we have now and it comes out to be a big top hit a big pop hit so I'm not mad at Doja for it congratulations Doja because I want to hang with her one day
0: (laughs) She seemed cool as hell. I mean, aside from that chat room thing, you know. I mean, we we've canceled people for uh, we've you know, canceled people for
1: less, and I mean, less. come on, let's be real, artistic. I've showed feet in racial <laughs> chat rooms. I know you have All too. Right, so right, why right. are we gonna cancel her for doing right. what a woman needs to do
0: to get through? I ain't never ever considered doing. Nothing, nothing on top of that, maybe you was on them old AIM chat rooms. The first time you figured out how to attach your document, Yahoo to it, M- or, hey. Instant Messenger. Instant y. message to him. Okay. YM days, but hey. That's so right. salute to Doge. I mean, she from LA to, you know, the Valley, but, you know, we still, yeah, yeah, LA is out here. So, oh, so along with that, um, the Grammy nominations came out today and, you know, it's always, you know, always a mixture of results of how people feel about that. A lot of folks I know were personally mad that um, Essence was not nominated for the song of the year. And it's something I was not expecting at all. I wasn't expecting it, but I mean, I would love to see it if it had happened, you know.
1: Um, I would love to see if it happens. I wasn't... Listen, the Grammys never surprise me because you never know what they're thinking or what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I was happy to see that Tyler was nominated. I was happy to see that Nas was nominated. Always, always I was important, happy yeah. to see that Jasmine was nominated for, I think, Song of the Year. Um, But I didn't know why Hotels wasn't nominated for Album of the Year. Um, yeah, it's, I think you it know, Maybe been. it's not my business. I don't know. Um, But... I don't really put a lot of faith in the Grammys anymore. So my yeah. my whole perspective is a bit skewed than other uh, music heads. Yeah.
0: I mean, from having friends who are actually uh, part of you know the Grammys is where I understand how much politics goes into it. I understand that it's a very tricky thing. It's impossible to please everybody. Because even the Soul Train Awards can't please everybody black. So something that we're only 10% of or 8% of, I'm never expecting it to really satisfy all of us, you know, but I'm always happy when the the artists and the albums that do deserve acclaim do get acclaim. So with that, salute to even how D-Mile got six nominations and how- Yo, I was so- Yeah. He deserves it, though. He deserves it. He does. He does. So salute to to, uh, everybody who was nominated. So let's go ahead and get into that Rewind segment. So for everybody who's listening, Rewind segment is where we like to highlight- Artists, producers, groups who made impact back in the day, and some of them are still doing their thing. And with that, E.B., who would you like to nominate for yours? I got to go back to the South. You know, I rep the
1: South all day, every day, and I got to rep Goody Mob. Um, oh,
0: Goody Mob. Yeah. I,
1: It's it's impossible not to. And I think if I say Goody Mob, I'm realizing that most people today won't know who they are. But you'll know who CeeLo Green is. Um, CeeLo yeah. and Niles Barkley. But he started in Goody Mob, and Goody Mob has released six albums since 1995. Their first album was Soul Food, and I remember buying the Cell Therapy single and having it and listening to it all the time. But they released uh, Soul Food, Still Standing, in World Party before CeeLo left the group, and he left the group because the next album, which was One Monkey Don't Stop No Show, Shade to Him um he left because of creative differences and i get why he left but also i don't think he should have left um it's not my favorite album by the group because obviously it was it was a it was a turn for them i think when most people think conscious rap you think like tribe called quest or something like you don't really think a southern rap group but goody mob was it and they had it all they did reunite in 2013 for Age Against the Machine. And then just last year in 2020, they released Survival Kit. All four original members. Again, the original members were CeeLo, Cujo,
0: Timo, Timo, and Big yeah. Gip. Big, Big Gip, Gip yeah.
1: was also married to uh, Joy, Joy. Oh, Gip. Joy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were married and they have a beautiful, I mean, she's legal, so I can say she's beautiful like that right now. Um, (laughs) Keeps Aya is beautiful, like she's a model, like she's beautiful, like I might, Uh. you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, But no, Goodie Mom needs to be shown recognition because I don't think they get that recognition as a Southern hip-hop group that they should, and they mix the gospel with the pop and the blues, but also the rock and roll, and again, they were conscious but I think sometimes because Southern people can't be seen as conscious that they didn't get classified as that. But they were yeah. just as conscious as a tribe called Quest or as a brand newbian. And you're talking about something that is not, you know, your norm in hip hop. So they got to be shown love.
0: Oh, for sure. Especially with them coming straight from that outcast tree, that dungeon family. And they, the, they no, were kind yes. of like... A, I love how similar they were to Outkast, but how different they were. It was where they had exactly. similar production sound, organized noise, those soulful bass lines and everything. And I do feel like, yeah, when they dropped that World Party, like, it was where I get why a lot of fans didn't rock with it. But I don't care. It's worth it only for Get Rich to This. I feel like that song alone was, makes it worth it to me. Because Get Wrist to This was a banger. Get Wrist to This was a banger. That was, I still play that one at the club. Like, that one still goes. So, salute to Goody Mob for that. And, uh. For my pick today, I'm going with EPMD. I'm going to take it to the East Coast. So So what you're saying, you know, so EPMD is one of my favorite old school groups. They came around like 1987. You know, they had that debut, you know, Strictly Business has some classics on it. Of course, everybody knows you guys to chill. A lot of folks from uh, LA actually kind of give them credit and say that was somewhat proto-G-funk because like the West Coast wasn't really using those Roger and Zap type of tracks just yet. So low-key, that's kind of like, I ain't going to say we got our style from that. I mean, it came from obviously Ohio where Roger is from, but that kind of show, hey, we, we can make a rap song over a straight G-phone type track and it sounds dope. So they had that and they had like, uh, of course, um, You're a Customer, which is what Diddy used for that Joe was to come and talk to me remix. So they always had some fire production via, you know, Scratch and especially with Eric Sermon himself. And they just kept on coming with hits. Like after that album, they had the So What You Saying and the Please Listen to My Demo. And just that phrase alone, you still hear people say that, even though we don't even have demos anymore. Now it should be, please listen to my SoundCloud or something. But we were saying that (laughs) the whole 90s, like, please listen to my demo. And that came straight from them. They had bangers like The Rampage in 1990. And, of course, LL owned the whole track. But just seeing how that was put together was so fire. And then, 92, they came with that headbanger and crossover. And, of course, we know they had that infamous breakup at that time. And then Eric started doing this thing. And... Eric's production, you know, his solo albums back '93, '95 didn't make a lot of noise, but he produced that. Red Man, what the album '92? I'm talking about tonight's tonight. Time for some action, blow your mind, you know. '93, he had Illegal. A lot of folks, RAs, might not realize that Illegal was a, a young group back then. It had Mr. Malik, who was actually from. Um, he used to rap with Snoop a lot, but he had a song. Yep. I mean, he um he
1: was on Monica's. Uh,
0: he's on Monica, yeah, yeah. He's on like Monica. This singing. and like that, yeah, exactly. So he was on the song, um, in the group I should say called Illegal. They had a song called We Gets Busy. There was this and Crisscross Cross on there. There was this and ABC. This and Family. You know, this and all the other kid groups. But it was it was a banger right there. And Eric produced for everybody from Shaq to, of course, the Meth and Red. How High. He had some tracks for D'Angelo. He got with Def Squad. And, of course, they got back together, EPMD as a whole. They had The Joint back in 97, and then Out of Business came in 99 when Lady Luck came and just shut that down with that last verse on Symphony 2000. She owned that track, I'm saying. So uh, they made a couple albums even since then, and Eric always did his thing with production. Eric's biggest moment, of course, came... 2001 with Just Like Music, the way he flipped that Marvin Gaye. That's one of them hip hop songs that your uncle and auntie Love when it came out. Still. I'm saying so. And he also produced the biggest hip hop song of 2000, if you ask me, when it came to like the hip hop, hip hop, that oh no that he did with the Nate Dog and Pharrell Munch. So mm-hmm. Eric is an artist, rapper, and producer. He was always a factor. So salute to, EMP, uh, to EPMD for doing anything for so long. And they've still been making music. So I, I-, I love to see them active like that. Yeah, I
1: mean EPMD, Eric and Paris making dollars. Listen, yeah, I always tell people my name is Eric for a reason because my mom is a major hip hop head. So my my name is Eric because of cousins, but of course, Eric Sermon was one of the ones, and my name is also Eric B. That's why I'm EB because of Eric B. So hip hop, yeah, hip no, like my mom, my mom is real, but yeah. Eric Sermon is one of, I think, the most um slept on. I'm not gonna say underrated, but slept on yeah. producers for sure. Um in the past 30 years. And I, I'm glad that you chose to highlight them because I actually still actively listen to EPMD like all the time. Yeah. I don't want people to know I be listening to old shit all the time. But y'all know I'm old, so there's yeah. no
0: shame in it. No shame in it. So salute to EPMD and Goody Mob. And the next segment we have is a fast forward. We like to talk about artists, producers, groups who are making waves. So, E.B., who would you like to highlight for this episode? I got a young lady out of the Netherlands
1: called, uh, I think it's Sabory? Sabory? Subry. Okay. I don't okay. know. But I will say I was chilling in the house. Um, I, I actually was on one of um, Artistic's uh, Twitch shows, and he played yeah. a song, and it took me to another station or another uh, Twitch channel, and I heard something. And I was like, who is this? Is this Jasmine Sullivan? And I'm listening. Huh. And it was a song um, called Tell Me Why. And when I looked it up on uh, Shazam, oh, Shazam so, when I looked it up on the Shazam, um, I'm like, yo, this is not Jasmine Sullivan. It's a singer called Sabri. Um, mm. and her she's from the Netherlands. Her influences are like That's Otis crazy. Redding and Donnie Hathaway, but also Lauren Hill and Amy Winehouse. But again, she sounds like a mix between Jasmine Sullivan and maybe Nicole Buss. And mm. I like those raspy vocals, those scratchy vocals. So she's been an artist um since 2019. She released her first single called Lost in You. And Then uh, after that, she went on to release another single called Something I Know. But the song that I heard that I really loved and I really connected with was by Full Crate and it's called Tell Me Why. And I think my favorite thing about it was that she was a singer singer and it was a raspy voice and she didn't care about the notes. The only thing (laughs) I wanted was for her to ad lib a little more. But yeah. if you like Jasmine Sullivan, if you like Amy Winehouse, if you like Nicole Bus, if you like Mary J. Blige, if you like Aretha Franklin, if you like voices that are not your normal voice, that have yeah. texture and feeling and emotion, I want you to check her out. I, I'm not sure what her first album will be like um, because mm. she's only released two singles by herself. But I'm oh, wow. hoping okay. that they're okay. following um. The formula that she used with full crate because it's so soulful. Like it should have, it was released in April. It should have been the song of the summer. Like it's a song wow, that we can wow. all vibe to and listen to. Like it should have been playing
0: in everybody's car. And hey, salute to her for sure. Um, that's salute. crazy. That she doesn't have any actual albums out. I didn't realize that part. So yeah. Okay. Okay. So who my you pick got? For this? Yeah, my pick this this time is D Mile. D Mile is doing this thing with his production. So. D-Miles is actually from Brooklyn, and he's one of those who's been around for a while. He's actually, he's been around since the mid-2000s producing for artists such as Rihanna even way back then. But it's where he even mentioned how he had almost given up at one point. So it's like he he was start, started making waves right when R&B was struggling and you had to make EDM music, and that's kind of what pushed his, I would say, his stride or his momentum back. So he was working with 7th Street or Tiffany Evans... <laughs> Even Molly Music from 08 to like 2014. And is where, as we know, R&B was not at that point. It hadn't quite come back yet. But the last few years, he's found his stride. I think the song that really got him there was that Rose Samo from uh, Lucky Day. When he did yep. that song for Lucky Day, that really started to get his momentum going. And from there, it has been all the way up. He's been doing songs for Ty Dolla for, of course, um, the Carters. He, does, he did a song on the Carters called Boss. He did a Woe for Snow Allegra, which is just a, a complete... I would say a modern day classic at this point. He's worked with, of course, Charlie Wilson. So even your auntie's got some vibes from him with that "Forever Valentine." And his main, uh, the main ones that I would say he's been getting the claim for lately, one of those is Victoria Monet. So that Jaguar album, which was one of my favorite R&B albums from mm-hmm. last year, he's all up, all up, and through that. So he did everything from "Touch Me" to "Ass Like That" and "Go There with You" and "Moment." Moment. That song video is so sick. And then. He's the main producer behind what's my current favorite project, which we, we might have to say for the next episode, but that's Silk Sonic album. And that's Silk Sonic album. Oh, we definitely got to say this. We're going to say that one. But yeah, so with that Silk Sonic, he produced essentially every, every single song on there, of course, along with, with Bruno himself. But the thing about D-Miles is that he has such a stronghold of knowing how to work with each artist and make a sound that sounds unique for them. So if you heard 10 straight songs that he did for different artists... You wouldn't think it was the same the same uh, artist because I mean the same producer because it's where I'm, in some cases it's it's more of a synthesized modern sound on some songs it sounds classic and, and throwback and mm-hmm. I would say my favorite R B song right now and probably for the whole year is the one he did on that Silk so Sonic called After Last Night that song man look I need everybody out there to listen to if nothing else that you listen to today go ahead right now listen to that After Last Night it sounds like some Earth Wind and Fire mixed with some Bootsy Collins because Bootsy is on there talking. It got Thundercat on it. That track, just the way it builds up, I didn't know to expect it. it. Starts off real, real mellow, like a smoky, like cigar scene from the '70s. And right when them horns come in and the beat drop, it's like, oh, I'm two-stepping, I'm slow dancing to this one. So, hey, you you gotta rock with D. mile and rock with that song if nothing else, because that's that's my favorite uh, modern R&B song out. It sounds like it's straight from 1976. But yeah, D. mile he, he got uh, six nominations for the Grammys, so he's really doing this thing right now, and he's uh, you know mid-30s too. So the fact that he's mid-30s and he's just now breaking out means he might be peaking. And in 10, 15 years, he might have that type of potential. So I'm definitely rocking with him. He's definitely going to
1: peak. And I love that you mentioned Lucky Day because I do want to shout him out for his Grammy nomination as well because it's yeah. well deserved. But what you said about D-Mal um, crafting these songs for different people and everything sounding different. It's not you know, as a producer, you can have a signature sound, but sometimes can be yeah. monotonous where all sure. of your stuff sounds the same. He doesn't so have much. that. And he's able to switch up his style. I appreciate him just for that because I think he's bringing something new to the game that we need on a mainstream sure. level. And like all the nominations, how many nominations did you say it was? Six.
0: Six? I'm going to get six. Well deserved. Crazy, right? Yeah.
1: Well-deserved because most people don't even get one, but- well deserved. I think he is somebody to look out for. And I do want him to work with more people though, because I now that I know that, that he can craft these sounds, I want him to work with some of my favorite veterans who are yeah. not doing as well right now. I'm not gonna call their name, <laughs> oh, right but we'll we'll yeah. talk about that in another show because okay. I went to a concert last week that you know, but mm, mm.
0: I, I want him to craft some sounds for some people. Um he's one to look out for. Yeah, for sure. So salute to D Mile, of course. So At this time, it's time for our intermission. We'll be right back. We have a special guest who's going to be talking about, you know, something that we all can get nostalgic about. And we'll finish off with a beat match. So I'll see you all in a minute. who's tuned in welcome back this is behind the wheels podcast i am dj artistic along with eb and today we have a special guest we got my boy representing the south i've i've known him for probably probably 10 years at this point you know he's been in la for a while my boy comedian ron g ron g what's good with you man what's up bro make sure you say emmy winner too i did the work i did the work emmy winner as well emmy winner okay let me, you let me rewind emmy winner Comedian Ron G is in the building. You seen them in commercials. If mm. if you ain't seen them, your mama's seen them. My mom saw the commercials. Like, who is that? I'm like, that's the homie right there. So hilarious. I literally yeah. have known
2: you for a long time. Like
0: I we both knew yeah. each other before we popped off. Which is. Yeah, great. seriously. Yeah, because I am you was at Live Factory way back, and even before that, you were doing shows. So it's yeah. just been dope seeing your success and seeing your rise. So, so wait, we got a
1: we have an Emmy Award winner on the show.
0: Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. We do, we do. Let, let them know okay, what that so we what that official was about. Man,
2: We official. We made. So it. I won uh, the Emmy for I was consulting producer on a, shade, a show on CNN called "United Shades of America" with W. Kamau right. Bell, and uh, we did yeah. season two and brought home the Emmy, man. So uh, yeah. yeah, I was very blessed to be a part of that project, man. It, changed nice. my, it literally changed my life after I did it because. We were doing a bunch of heavy topics like um, basically when Trump was in office, and so we covered oh, yeah. all the people he didn't like. We did Muslims in America, <laughs> we did immigrants, we did gangs in Chicago, we did uh, one on the Dakota Access Pipeline with the Native Americans and stuff like that, and then uh, wanting to build a pipeline, which wound up uh, oil wound up getting in the water anyway. It was a whole it was a whole thing, but anyway, yeah, yes. it was crazy. But I was yes. a part of all that, and I was like actually on the ground when that stuff was happening, shooting the show. Hey, Salute. Even my
0: pops watched that show, so that's a huge deal right there, so Salute you. Your pops tees. is solid, though. Your pops is a good guy, yeah. Like, we love your pops, man. Your pops is amazing. You know, he, he think he cooler than me, so he might be, actually. I'll give it to here him. So. Is, he he yeah. actually is, He uh, actually is. He is at this point. He's he been here for a little <laughs> minute, so... Yeah, so everybody who's tuned in right now, so so here's a topic for today. Uh, one thing that's, I mean, it's basically connected directly to music, even though it's a little bit different, is it's the overall club culture, um... And, of course, clubs have been based off, you know, the hip-hop, R&B music that we've grown up listening to and still listen to today. And with that, uh depending on what your age is, depending on when you first started going to the club, whether it was the 90s, early 2000s, late 2000s, or even the last five, six years, we've all seen that shift that's happened. And, and I would say it really started about 12, 15 years ago when it started going toward the bottle culture and all else. But, um... It's one of those things that most of us who have been partying for at least a good ten plus years, we've noticed that decline and just how it's changed a whole lot. And Ron, of course, I feel like it's been so many clubs I've seen you at. <laughs> I probably had you uh, <laughs> hop on the mic a couple of times just to kind of hey, right, get, right, right. get the crowd ready and stuff. And um, and with that, like, what's what's your take? So so, so before we get into it, let them know where you from and like how did you party when you first turned eighteen and in that college period? Like, what was the scene like for you? Where were you at What college? What city? So I was born
2: uh, in Columbia, South Carolina. So I'm a country boy. I grew yeah. up on booty shape, outcast, <laughs> goody mob, yeah. fast music where you grab a girl, you lift your shirt up in the front and you just grind on that thing all night. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you just grind yeah. on a girl you leave the club sweating and you intentionally did not wear your good clothes to the club because you know no, you seriously. were going to leave sweaty. And had you, had club leave shoes. By time. you had to leave by a certain time because that's when the Dope Boys came out and they would shoot the club up. So you know you had to leave yeah. by like, 12 30 one is almost too late one is too to leave late Damn. By a certain time that's that's how yeah. it was man and um yeah man like we was peak hip-hop like i was just going out man right. and I, I was sneaking into the clubs and i know i was too young to be there but i was having a good time and it's so funny because i feel like the club literally shaped my life like it shaped my child because mm-hmm. I was always a short guy too and I knew that yeah, yeah. I wasn't a let me go buy you a drink, let me talk your ear off and game you up kind of dude. I was like, if I dance with you, you mind. That's that's how I was. <laughs> oh wow. So I got my personality from the club. If I dance on a girl, I don't care how old she is, how tall she is, like, cause I was always like the short young dude in the club. But if I found somebody I like and she was cute and older than me, and I danced on her, it was a, a rap. Older. It was a it was a whole fajita. It was a rap, bro, cause I was on it. <laughs> I was already, I, know, I was getting the phone
0: number. Of fact, I already know, I already know. Man, you put your number on the napkin, like that That generation. We was the, the taking notepads in the club. I remember that first time I went to the club. Not even the club, I'm going to say a high school party. I didn't have a cell phone yet, so it wasn't even about taking numbers in the cell phone. It was like you had a little notepad or something, and it was just like you watching the wood or something, like who had the most numbers at the end of the night, and you had proof because right. you, had, you had it written on there. Your homie might call you out like, that's your handwriting. That's not even her number for real, or I know her number. She got a 310 number. She ain't got no 323. So it was like, I right. remember that whole era. And that, that's how it was, high school, college uh, for us. And I feel like uh, my, my stories are similar. Like coming from LA, it was where it's all about how you dance with them. It was about, we didn't have the money to have the flyest, flyest gear. But a lot of times we got that first job just so you could buy clothes to wear to the club. Like, I remember There's no especially. There's no other reason yeah. to get a job. Seriously, like especially if your parents have food for you, it's like I might stop and get some fast food on the way home from work. But I'm, every Friday I went straight to uh, the mall or wherever to get some new clothes and we go into the club that night. It, it wasn't even a question of like when you hit 30, it's more so are we partying this weekend? When you're 21, when you're 18, it's where are we partying at? Because right. every Friday, Saturday, that's what it was. Oh, Sometimes even house on parties, Thursday. bro. House party yeah. culture is different. Like I
2: think you mentioned it too, man. We use like bottle culture. It's like between yeah. that and phones, bro. phones and, and bottles have killed the club, bro. Yeah. And
0: there was a time where like
2: I'm like I'm like on the tail in the Nick I was too young to go, but I went a couple <laughs> yeah. times and I was underage, bro. But the stuff that we got on camera, like bro, wow. like you wow. canceled wow. quick. But I remember yes. going and hanging out in Freaknik. Uh <laughs> I drove my daddy's car. <laughs> wow. wow. And it's so Carolina? Of, it's uh it was in Atlanta. Yeah. Straight down, yes. Straight down twenty. And I was like super young in the car. Oh, wow. And this girl was like, Get out of the car, get my number. And I couldn't let the window down, so I had to stop. <laughs> and put hop out the door and all that. <laughs> it had to hop yeah. out. Hey,
0: what's
2: up? <laughs> uh, it was a long time yeah. ago, man. But I said even phones have killed the club because a long time ago we had to be present because we wasn't on no phone. We was we was yeah. in action. And you trying to find somebody to yes. twerk on. They start putting on Luca. Poison Clan. I don't know if you know about that. The Shake What Your body. Poison Clan, boys. Yeah, that. all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all that down stuff. I grew up on all that, man. That booty shake. Yeah, the whole booty shake. Matter of fact, it was booty shake and then it was reggae. When that, when one of you know what happened, you grab you somebody. You know what I'm saying? But now, yeah. I feel like you don't even hear no R&B no more in the club. You know, you have a whole R&B yeah. set. But now it's like they'll do Afro beats, but it's still a little different. It's, a little, it's a
1: little
0: bit different. Yeah, because EB is from uh, South Carolina, too. so I feel Yeah, like, I'm from
1: yeah. I'm from Lexington, so I feel like this is you the first time we'll have two. Shit, I'm from, from Lexington. So I, from across the uh, bridge? Yeah, across the bridge. Uh-huh. First time that I think we'll have two different perspectives because I was, yeah, I was in the clubs before my time, so I was hanging off Bluff Road with, like, That's I remember Ying from, Yang bro. was performing. Yeah, Ying Yang was performing, like, All off right. Bluff Road before I even blew Boy, up. Yeah, but I was also always older. <laughs> So, I was also hanging out at, like, Fort Jackson NCO Club uh, with my my co-workers. Yeah. (laughs) I was hanging out with them, with my co-workers. And, you know, they was all in their 30s and 40s at that time. And I'm still, you know, 18, 17, 18. But I remember, what I do remember is, like Artistic said, there was a time when it was like, yeah, where we going and when we going. Like, yeah. You know, back then it was like every weekend I wanted to go somewhere just because I was I was new to the game. I just wanted to hang out. I wanted to be seen. Now it's like, nah, I ain't going nowhere. And then you brought up a good point about R and B. What R and B we gonna dance to now? Nobody's yeah. releasing up tempo R and B's for us to club to. Yeah. So what we what we gonna do? Yeah, Bro, that was different. the different when it's they much. had wedding songs. Remember like
2: as a man, we was not yeah. glorifying weddings, but we were still like, man, when I get married, I'm gonna play that song. They don't even make you no gonna yet. play the
0: wedding song. They don't, even make, no, that they song don't, don't make that anymore. They don't yeah. make- I think it stopped after Jagged Edge. After that it was done. <laughs> that was the last one. I'm, that's that's the last uh, club song talking about getting married. As much as we wrote that Damn, song for we talking about we ain't getting married. But it any was the last thing. one. Yeah. To be talking you about marriage like in the club, yeah. Just a song about love, bro. They don't use the word love in
2: R and B songs no more, which is the whole heart of R and B. So I'm like, I know we sound like a bunch of old niggas right now, but <laughs> bro, I miss it. I That's miss. True. Yeah. The, the, the most fun I've ever had in L A. was I proposed to my lady in L A. and we went to one of those all R and B, the R and B only channels, bro. Okay. When yeah. I tell you, yeah. bro, it was so nostalgic and the night was so perfect. Bro, I had so much fun and like the vibe was so cool because you weren't worried about nobody getting shot. Wasn't nobody on their phone. Everybody came to sweat. And everybody like it's crazy to go to the club and every song that come on was like just take you somewhere because music reminds you of points in your life. And I'm talking about like every time yeah. they play something. Right.
1: That's the purpose.
2: Everybody would just yell and scream and sing along. Like the whole club was singing along. People was dancing with each other. Dudes like walking up on a girl asking for a dance like a long time ago. Yeah. It ain't like that no more because now dudes yeah be on the phone, and then girls
0: dance on each other. That's, that's all the club yeah. is now. It's weird. It's all about, it's crazy because like, it just shows you how 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 much uh, different it is for each generation. So one girl who comes to my club, she's like 24. I think she's from somewhere on the East Coast. And um she was saying that she doesn't like hearing reggae, or Afro beats in the club. And she she likes R&B, but she said that her preference for the club is hearing G Herbo and Lil Durk and Lil Baby and Bag Yo. And then yeah. I was like, how do you dance to that? And she said, well, I don't dance in the club. And I'm like, oh. That's generational. It's generational because I feel like the thing is, even, I remember my first time going to Atlanta to the club was at Club Envy back in probably 03. And it was where you probably, I probably, I probably bumped into you. You probably almost elbowed me during the crunk segment. So it was like back in that era, I remember they would even have two floors. It was one floor upstairs, which was all down south.
2: Do you remember Visions?
0: I never went to it, but I remember that. Yeah. Because I was at FAMU, so I would go up there every couple months. And I remember going to those spots, and it was where <laughs> it was like, yeah, we did have the crunk segment, so I ain't going to lie. When it was the crunk segment, I stayed out of the way because I was, yeah. like, like I said, I was 110 pounds, so it's like I'm not, yeah, I'm I'm not hopping in. If I heard Never Scared, if I heard the the Never Ever, if I heard those, the I'm, club I'm up, all I'm like, yeah I'm in the back. But as soon as they drop that Ying Yang twin as soon as they drop that Chopper Style, as soon as they go back to the reggae, Get Low, Get Low is the biggest song in the world. It was Get Low in, in the club, it my first was, time in yeah. Club Envy in Atlanta. And I remember when In The Club came on, and listening to it, it's not even a twerk type song, but it was just the fact that that's what we did, is you found something to hop on. And I remember when In The Club came on, everybody hopped on something, and it was weird. It was just the known thing thing to do. It wasn't like you had to worry about, is she going to put me on Instagram for looking silly, or if I dance off so beat, am I going to go viral? It was like, you just hopped on something. So, bro, it that's was one thing problem. I gotta, I'm worried, ask, yeah. I got to ask
1: Ron G this, because you, you mentioned earlier
0: about if it was something
1: reggae. Now, in in the South, or in South Carolina at least, anytime I was clubbing, I remember reggae was signaled, that's the end of the night. So, mm. whoever you with, when the reggae come, ho- come on, it's who you going home with. Like, whatever beat hit, whatever song hit, if it was reggae, when it came on, whoever you was dancing with, that was you for the rest of the night. I yeah. mean, leaving the club. It like was that your experience too, or was it? Usually, when they slow it know, down,
2: that's when it's time to go home. When they slow it down to R 90s RB, and B, that's when it was time. Yeah, yeah. But this okay. is a song that I only hear in the South, and particularly in South Carolina, they played it all the time, bro. That changed the climate of the room. Like whatever was playing, when they played mm-hmm. the song, I don't even know if they played this song no more. But they played the song "Put It in Your Mouth" by Akinelli. <laughs> yeah, bro, uh, uh, in, the South,
0: bro, in the South, every
2: night in the South, every night when they played, put it in the lights your mouth, would come really on. That's when the whole yeah. vibe, because you know the DJ. I feel like y'all got the they still coming in right now. Let's play a little something just to get them acclimated. When they play it, yeah. they put it in your mouth, bro. Everybody yeah. lose it. That's when it's time to everybody
1: lose it. That it. Listen, if you're not at the bar, make your way to the bar, pay your tab, because whatever happened after is just on you. Yeah. Or the of those shame, days. yeah. The shame of when a a slow song came on, and everybody grabbed somebody, and you
2: ain't have nobody, bro. You feel like uh, a whole
0: uh, loser. You, can you had to the play whole it night. off. You, you go to the bar just to play it off. Like I was just thirsty. You no, know, I ain't even tripping. You know, you had to play it off real, real smooth. Wow. You go to the bathroom in yeah. the
2: song. Come you like I was waiting all night for her, man. Yeah, that's bell.
0: crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm the only gay nigga, and I can't relate because I always had somebody. So uh, you, you had What are y'all doing? Did you come with your person, you or are you already never, never? Mm,
0: okay. Yeah. Forget, like, yeah. So I don't know what, what y'all doing. What? I would say because I mean because. I remember back back in college, it felt like the gay homies always had like they came with the crew of homegirls, so they always. The funny thing is, a lot of times girls girls would dance freaky on the gay homie because it was like they knew it's y'all are it safe. safe. Y'all are safe. Yeah, it but was for safe. regular, the straight guys, it was just like I don't know you sometimes, or they, they they give us a scan. So like Ron G knows about this. Whenever you hop up on a girl who you don't know, they turn around and look at you, and they think you cute, they'll keep on dancing. If not, they're kind of oh you know. They look at the girls, they'd be like. All right, girls too. Yeah, yeah. The and girls like, the still She'd be like, "Yeah." And then do like this, and it should keep going. Yeah, it definitely That's happens, funny, so you, bro. You can always tell, and it, it would be times. We had to plot. It would be like four, four of the homies, like me and four, or me and three. Uh, if you see a girl group that had the same number, it's like, all right, we yeah. we're right and pointing them out. I got a blue dress. Like, I want a blue dress. Yeah. All, right, <laughs> all right, you, you have a blue dress, because because tan dress is cool too. We all go up at the same time and they usually all turn around. If you were the one who she who, who the girl didn't dance with, you got clowned the whole night. It was like, damn, the whole crew was Bruh. dancing with us, but you you know. I had a I whole like method though. I had a, a whole it. method. Cause usually
2: it'd be a crew of girls, and usually the girl I wanted always had a bunch of girls around her. So what I had mm. to do was I had to find the homegirl who was least likely chosen and dance on yeah. her. Make, mm. make once I get her get her laughing. And i saw the girls laughing too i would go for the girl i really wanted but i had wow. to get the approval first of the girl that nobody else wanted and once i got That's on her up, no, no,
1: no.
2: Listen, oh, she man. Dancing with me though like it made her day because yeah. she wasn't chosen she was not chosen i would dance on her because I was, I was silly i wouldn't be all serious and grind. like i was silly i was yeah. a silly guy but if i make her because you can always tell the one girl who is mother duck if you don't make mother duck laugh
0: it don't matter what you do <laughs> wow. She's gonna be like, let's wow, go. Mother duck. She gonna make gonna be it. Like, on, go. It's the leader of the pack every time. It is, it is. If the leader like, of the pack yeah. is happy, no she gonna
2: make sure nobody else has a good time. But if you That does happen dog, a lot,
1: yeah. If you make yeah. Mother Duck laugh, and you just, So you, you make Mother Duck laugh, you dance with her mother bit, duck. and then the girl that <laughs> you really mother wanted duck. would show you attention. Yeah. yeah. But then at the end of the yeah. night, Mother Duck is still unchosen. That ain't my problem. That ain't my fault though. But I included her in the moment. Because you got the cover. This is where we got a problem. It, it, oh, it's, you it's, what you're talking about yeah, it's A like, twenty-year-old,
2: bro. Like, there's no
0: rules. You're twenty-five. You right? Yeah, we, I mean, early yeah, twenties. Like, yeah, when we talking about thirty now, we do
2: whatever. No, I'm saying you're twenty. You're right. You ain't no accountability. All I know yeah. is I <laughs> had to do that. But listen, I had this dance I did because what I did was once I make Mother Doug laugh, I would go up to the girl I wanted, and I still had to be goofy because if I was too serious and came in too hot, all her friends are judging. She being, would know. Her. Yeah. So I, would, I had this mm-hmm. dance I called the Let It Happen. Right. So what I do is. I throw my hands up and I throw my pelvis and I'll be real stupid. And if she laughs with me, I'm like, that's the kind of girl I want to deal with. But if I do okay, the let yeah. it happen dance and she like, yo, what are you doing? I don't like your personality anyway, cause you too stuck yeah. up. And it always yeah. worked. It yeah. always works. Cause I'm the goofy dude right. in the club. I ain't the dude like bro, so not, you I'm did the, five Will five five. the Will Smith. The
0: Will Smith. Low key, yeah. we used to do that sometimes, yeah, on the show. Yeah, yeah I feel yeah. like. Cause every every crew had different like we had different positions. Like we had a homeboy named Greg, uh, and Greg was the one who just he didn't care what they looked like. He was always the one who took ones for the team. So it don't matter if it's a He's dime next to whatever it is. He the don't care. Bucket. Yeah. He like, he like I'm, down, I'm wait, down for whatever Wait, pause. Was.
1: Yeah. I need to know what the definition of a thirst bucket thirst is. Thirst bucket is the
2: dude, he go by numbers. His stats is undefeated. He'll get turned down by 10, but he'll get that right yeah. one and smash that That's night. It's true. Yep. He is that's what he No, yep. don't mean nothing. Yep. He's like, all right, cool, yep. fine. I want your friend anyway. And keep talking. Yep. For me, my pride ain't set yep. up like that. I only talk if I got eye contact. So if I made eye contact with a mm. cute girl, I knew I had <laughs> to go through mother death. Yeah, <laughs> is, Yeah. Bro.
1: That's my lesson, bro. It's my,
2: real. I only got my heart broken. I chased women who wouldn't <laughs> the pay me. The eye attention. contact. But if, I, if, mm. if if me and the cute girl in the crew got eye contact, I'm gonna figure out how to because I can't go I can't come in too high and go directly to her because she gonna get judged. Yeah. She's gonna be the one who won. Her friends turn on her and be like, "Okay, let's let's go, girl." No, that's let's why go, I made yeah. Mother Duck laugh. Got
0: her
1: included. All her <laughs> girls like, "Oh, oh yeah. you you're so silly." Then I slowly go over there and get the girl I really wanted. Never fail. I'm adding m- Mother Duck to my repertoire. You got Mother, Mother Duck, yeah,
0: because I mean it's everything. Everything about that whole area was different. Like even. When it came to that, like, did y'all, either, either y'all buy drinks? Because I feel like, for me, I'm not going to lie at all. Like, all my friends who know me know how I am. At this point, nobody cares. I'll buy a drink because it's a drink. It's $12. Who cares? But back in my college days and post-college, it was where I felt like I'm not buying a girl a drink if I don't know her because she, she is going to use me for drinks, this, this, and that. Of course, as me being a young, broke, you know, college, right. post-college kid. But I feel like even with that, I realized that in this era, because of bottle mm-hmm. service... A lot of times, women at certain clubs, they don't even care about you buying them a drink. They rather be at the table. So it's like they almost see it as, well, that's cool that you buying me a drink. But they got tables. They got bottles over here. And a lot of them bottle hop, even if you have bottles. I realized it maybe eight years ago in, uh, in L.A. at Supper Club because, like, 12 years ago, bottle service was still kind of a new thing. Like, 07, 08, 08, 09. Yeah, Supper Club was the main spot. So at one point, I remember we got bottles in 09. And I was like, well, you get a bottle, you get all the girls in the club because no guys have bottles by 2013, you had to have a bottle to get in there anyway. So I realized one time that it's 20 sections with all these guys with bottles. Now it's not about having a table. It's about who has the most bottles or who has a celebrity with them or who has this and that. So even having a table, I would see five a tables of guys with no girls. You can't yeah. compete. Yeah. I, can't they're ready now.
2: Coming yeah. in with good morals and and, and a decent job <laughs> making fifty thousand a year, <laughs> a
0: Yeah, with your man. Honda
2: Accord, your brand new Honda Accord, man, you feel like come trash.
0: on, yeah, you feel like it's trash. Different. It's different. That's so why I feel like, said it. it's like
2: the neutralizer is either celebrity or being charming yeah. or being funny. That's why I said for yeah. me, like, I got the cheat sheet. If I can make your girl laugh, like only problem is, because like, like it's like partying in Miami. Miami is all bottle service and club. Miami is, ugh, Miami Vegas. Miami, you get reminded of how famous you are not often. Yeah, right. So instantly. You're not. Yeah, I instantly. Feeling. Yeah. It's kind of like that, too. But now it's like, I pretty much know everybody at the door, because they done been to yeah. the county club. And they, you know what I'm saying? that's yeah, So it's not like, oh, as bad. But moving out here, yeah. I got that cold reminder of, oh, because I was on a TV show, too. And I get to the door, and they're like, hey. I don't know who you are. Get to the back of the line. Yeah. Or when you get yeah. in, they're like, "Oh, you mind taking this picture?" I'm like, "Oh, I take <laughs> a picture." It's like, "No, take the picture of me and so and so." I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> "Wow!"
0: Like, oh, Ooh, "Okay, okay." I'm not not not, not with yet. me. All right, man. yeah. LA is sobering, I, bro. LA is it, such a sobering place. It'll it'll humble you. It'll humble you for real. And uh, one thing, Ron, you mentioned uh, just from tasting you, like grits and biscuits. So, like, uh, man, be, that's my thing. I'm sure you made it there, didn't you? Back in the day.
1: Oh, I've been to grits and biscuits so many times I can't even. Yeah. Count. But did you have a good time? No. Did you have a good time? (laughs) Each and every time, because I relive my high school years, my my early twenties. I wasn't in I wasn't in South Carolina my early twenties, but me neither. You know, you know, like the South is different. Like the music that we are exposed to is. Yeah, we're exposed to everything that's like national and we know what's the number one on the charts or whatever. But we get regional stuff depending on where we are in the South. And I feel like if you were in South Carolina during that time, then it's very regional and you're getting a very specific type of music or a very specific group of artists. I was there every time and I was partying my ass off every time as as a matter of fact i think i was working for live nation when the first grits and biscuits went down and it was free for me and i went and i was just like oh (laughs) we doing this every time and then i was working for aeg and i was like oh no wherever grits and biscuits is hosted i'm gonna be there and then there were a lot of my friends artistic you might be one of these people who were not from the South. Cause I had a lot of friends from DC. I went to Howard yeah. and a lot of friends from LA. I had a lot of friends from Chicago who would specifically want that grits and biscuits vibe because that wasn't yeah. the vibe they had in their hometown. But I feel like on the flip side, I only had that certain Grits and Biscuit vibe in my hometown. So I wanted to know what L.A. was doing. I wanted to know what Chicago was doing. I wanted to know what Baltimore was doing. I wanted to know what Hmm. what Miami was doing. Not too long, you know? Not too long. (laughs) Not too long, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Because I was good with it. I was good with the (laughs) South, and I was good with the vibe we got. Because I think the music that we got during that time, it was... It's amazing. Everything down is a remake from that generation it's a remake from that generation mm. and i feel like then yeah, we got true. a little bit of everything and what we got we partied to, and we partied all night too we partied for multiple weeks too sometimes for multiple months like yeah. shout out to lil john and yin yang the Lil too. john
0: ran my whole college lil right. lil john
1: and yin yeah. yang ran high school and college for me and i didn't yeah. even go to college in the south but yeah. it was still like
0: no this is what everybody wants yeah I feel like, like you were saying, because for me, like, of course, I'm from LA, but my whole family's from the South, and then I went to FAMU, right. so with that, I have like that kind of like, I'm <clears throat> like the honorary Southern, whatever you want to call it. But but with you, that, I yeah. feel like with grits, um, one thing about grits and biscuits, I would say say specifically is that it kind of like revitalized and, and almost saved party culture for the last decade because th- just talking to like the, the creators from FAMU, of course, the homeboy uh, Maurice Slade, Mo, DJ Square Biz, and with him. They Mm -hmm. created this party in New York because they were they were from the South, finished college, and they're in New York back in like the late 2000s, early 2010s, where things were starting to go all bottle service. So they said, "You know what? Let's have a party where it's no dress code. It's like and the thing that made it special was that like we could be real. Like in the South, we had those parties that were no dress code, super casual, super hype. But as we just said, they might get shut up. So what made Gris so special was that we getting all this ratchet, over the top, hood music. But everybody here got a degree or a good job, or or even if yeah. they don't have a degree, it's the cool homie. so you ain't, you ain't worried about starting something. So it's like... But the demographic is special, yeah. though,
2: because especially to do yeah. that in L.A., it's a very yeah, special LA, vibe, yeah. you got
0: the people that's left home,
2: they yeah. uh, they got something to live for. And it's different. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Going to a club like that in your hometown versus going away, because ain't nobody it's very up in yeah LA. it's very different you came yeah, your very, dream. you ain't trying to go to jail you know what i'm saying yeah it's no, those very different ain't You're you. right and them yeah. hard niggas ain't trying to come to the club to shoot them up because they're like oh this woman out here dancing like you don't have time to shoot yeah. them up. but if you do yeah. that in like a miami or a columbia or like mm. a it's augusta not gonna work it's not gonna okay oh you better leave by one o'clock
0: oh wow i, I can ron, see ron i
1: hope you wasn't ronji i hope you wasn't partying in augusta
2: i did a couple times i went to pay in college i went to hang out
1: well, I, I'm, I'm glad that you're able. To, I'm glad that you're able to be a guest today because I'm glad you <laughs> made, made it him. out alive. Oh, of
2: course, but again, like I, because I was Greek, I went with my people. I've never been by myself. Like I'm. A, oh, okay, I'm yeah, yeah okay. Myself. I'm a sigma, bro. Like, yeah, no. You party with Listen, your friends yeah. from different school, and they like show you around. They show you
1: where to go. I, yeah, reality. okay. I've been by myself a couple times, and I and mean, that's the problem. Yeah, that is the problem. I'm, I'm glad you made sigma, it out. Bro. Well you you got one up on me hilarious
2: hey artistic i want yeah, to uh yeah. ask you this too bro because the one thing i always yeah. admire about you i don't think we were talked about this which is why i mentioned you should definitely do a podcast is you're a unique case for Because i feel like la people usually don't ever leave and so there's a part of black culture that la people miss out on if you stay in la the whole time but if you go to the south you see how black people treat each other like literally we speak to each other like where i'm from People speak to you just because you're looking at me, like, yo, what's up, bro? And it ain't no nigga yeah. what you looking at. It's like, a, yo, what's up, bro? Like, from the South, we kind of take care of each other. We have unspoken community. Like, back home, I have friends where we do nothing and have a good time. I don't yeah. have that here. Yeah. You left yeah, with uh-uh. the fam. You created this, I, I don't want to say identity, but you f- kind of found your L.A. self in fam. And now you're the official HBCU DJ. Every time there's an HBCU event, you on the bill. And you've learned enough and studied the culture enough to where you can bring back to la and you can keep a piece of fam you in la which makes you yes. a special kind of black because i feel like again la people that never leave i feel like they miss out on a little something special that we get from the yeah. south in the south we have yes. an unspoken community like we we don't really have gang culture like that we do neighborhoods yeah. and you know yes. even how we handle women like dating culture is different in the south because oh for sure. some of the niggas for sure. we do the same stuff it's just we're a little bit more <laughs> nice about it we take care of our main family <laughs> a little bit more
0: nice yeah, we'll be we, more we, like somebody, it, but you know, we, we, we might marry you a couple years <laughs> earlier in the South. You know what I'm talking about. We yeah. actually, I yeah. know exactly what you're talking all about. I'm not just now because they, you're they real. About they old lady.
2: When you hear a dude over yes. there in the South, we like, yeah, oh, ain't now I'm an old lady. We take care yes. of him. Yes. We might do the same little
1: reckless stuff as dudes, at, but ain't no rules out here. Yeah. Ain't no dating yeah. rules. Ain't no out rules. Here. Ain't your no mama, rules at all. That, that, that your mama, yes. that, that, that your ex, that they the love of your life. You talk about your old lady forever. My daddy is still talking about his old lady. Yeah, old lady never been. I say I'm women my down. age, women younger, women older, like it, it don't matter. But yeah, no, you're right. Like we see a...
2: value in getting married out here. As long as you, in... Look, there's no value in getting married. Like y'all clown people, most exactly. people for getting married. here. it's weird, but. <laughs> Out here, it's like, I'm I married. Mean, like being married in LA is the wave. If you married in LA and you found somebody dope, because me and my lady, we party together. We go to strip club together. We hang out. We have a good time. That's unique. And yeah. Yeah. It's way crazy she, to yeah. watch all the single people brag about being single, but me and my lady pull up. Y'all talking y'all goals. I'm like, no, nah, we just work hard. We work on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's dope because I ain't got to worry about nothing. I ain't got to keep up with no lies. I'm responsible for one woman. I ain't got to manage no fears. Yeah. That's what we oh, do. It's real. Yeah. It's just a lot you. that way. Yeah. I'm so, celebrating I mean, you, man, because, like, the fact that you're I appreciate able to pivot, you. Go you, and you always, bro, brain the essence of the South, and you're still L.A. boy, too, so you know how to mix it up and put the old school Nate Dogg, Snoop Orangey, <laughs> and, like, the old school yeah. DJ Quick in a set, man. Got like, to. how did you realize that that was a thing, though? Because, like, you're great at it. Not good. Like, you're great at bridging great. East Coast and great. West Coast. and I've seen you do in the PC South and go go. I'm like, bro,
1: like, yeah, you no, ain't from yeah. there, but you I mean, play it, yeah, and it's all I mean, one
0: thing, bro. So, so, so the tricky thing. So, I guess to answer the first, first part about L.A. as far as me like leaving, because no shade to the L.A. people, I think L.A. people, I mean, don't. I just feel like y'all yeah. miss out
2: on stuff because you never leave. Sometimes, I
0: mean, I'll, I'll say, I mean, it's where it's where <laughs> I feel personally like anybody from any city that never leaves their, their hometown is going to be a little bit. Kind of stuck in a certain type of mindset. It's different for each place that you leave. So for LA, I would say like whenever it came to homecoming, if my homeboy came to homecoming with me at FMU, he would realize like, or I realized he was just real tense because there was just all these black people, and he would just be off of off of instinct. It's like they got on all red or they bloods, so and I'm like, nah, they, they just like red. It's <laughs> a Falcons was, jersey, you who know? Was with yeah. So it's like, yeah. So it's like so yes. that part it was, it was an adjustment I would say. But when it came to DJing. I would say that, that what gives me a huge advantage is actually not just being from a FAMU, but the fact that I came from somewhere outside the South that that music was not played as much. I think it was, it was all a perfect storm because I feel like if I had even came from Atlanta or, or Houston and went to FAMU, FAMU played enough music from Atlanta. They play everything from Atlanta, half of Houston music. They ain't play anything from LA. But what made me realize mm-hmm. that I had to learn everybody's music was the fact that like you said with D.C., I had cousins from D.C., I had homies from D.C. So at FAMU, you had to learn how to play everybody's music and not just the surface song because everybody has a surface song and they have a deeper cut. So it's like New Orleans surface song is like a go DJ or like a back to that ass up. But the deeper cut is going to be like the Fifth World weebie. It's going to be those right, bounce right, right. songs. For D.C., it's going to be doing the butt. At this point, sex Lady might be a surface DJ song. Yeah, it's, DJ it's sexy, yeah. yeah, Yeah, But then going deeper is knowing that Backyard Band album cut type deal. So it's the same for LA. Everybody play next episode, California Love. But it's like we knew that we had a I love it. We had a um a sugar free type song. So I, I kinda took that method realizing that at Fam, I can't just play those top three songs for each city. Let me learn everybody's music. So now whenever I travel it's like I can go deep. If I'm in Chicago, I can go deep house cut and not just the yeah, guy so it's like Even it's a like whole lot of like things. Oh, deep Miami. Cuts has, too. They got bro. Three hours deep cuts. You go to Miami, you, you you can hear two straight hours of nothing but Miami music. So it's like that's the way it is there. So, that, that, what so is I yeah. like the uh, what's it called break music where you like do the song and they break the song. You know, somebody in the DJ talk in between and they break it. Oh like, yeah, every, it breaks like the whole Jam bro. Express style oh, just that, bro. they I'm create like... their own song on top of on top clap of Slap the knees. So, knees yeah. That song called Slap the Knees and then the, oh, um, uh clap them thighs. Clap them thighs! I know what you're talking about. Clap them yeah. thighs, bro! Like oh,
1: clap them thighs! It's a yeah, whole other culture, man. Florida. It's super yeah. dope, man. But I yeah, like when you
0: bring that
2: stuff to life because a lot of DJs <laughs> can't do that. They be stuck yeah, on playing top whole- twenty all the time, playing the family <laughs> reunion mix. I'm like, ten reunion mix ain't, ain't this crowd right here? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta know your crowd. You gotta, you gotta
0: know your audience. You got to. That's that's the main thing. So so hey, Ron, I definitely appreciate you for coming through today. I appreciate you before we head out. Let everybody know where to find you at uh, and what you have going on right now. Man, so if you don't
2: mind, please follow me, Comedian Ron G on everything. Comedian R-O-N-G on everything. Um, I got a dope show that I'm actually a part of right now. I'm a series regular on a show on all-black streaming service called Partners in Rhyme. I'm playing the brother of MC Light. I'm a series regular. Super dope, fun, family show. Your whole family can watch it. I got two movies coming out. And if you happen to be in L.A., I am the host of the world-famous Laugh Factory Chocolate Sundays. Uh, every Chocolate Sunday. Sundays. But uh, they got me alternating now, so please hit me up. And uh, if you're in town, hit me up and let me know you're going to be in town. I would love to see your face in the place, man. But a lot of dope stuff happening. And uh, it's moving, man. So please, again, yeah. comedian Ronji, uh, EB, artistic, absolute pleasure, bro. Y'all done brought back so many memories, of man. Course. I'm going to go hit the club yeah. right now, man.
1: We got to listen. On a on, Tuesday. Man. Anytime hey. 803 is in the building, I'm there. And I'm, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, this nigga country. We going to be good. <laughs> oh, 48, Bluff yeah. Road, for bro. Bluff Road. All day. I, hey. I got friends. I went to high school with niggas from 48, so I know
0: about Oh, yeah. It. Oh, yeah. It's 48 in the, in the play with, bro. I'm starlight. Hey. All day. At all. All right. No, <laughs> I appreciate you. Once again, Later, Emmy man. winning. Emmy winning, comedian Ron G. Emmy in the build. winning. I appreciate y'all. next nice up to everybody who's tuned in, it's that Beatmaster. Let's go ahead and get into it. I think me and EB would agree that Kendrick is, if not the best rapper of the last 10 years, that he's up there at the very, very top of it. But when it comes to albums, I'm trying to figure out which one would be the best one from Kendrick. I know a lot of people kind of debate that. And he's one of the few artists that people say has multiple, multiple classics, especially in his generation. So EB, if I was to ask, um, what would you say Kendrick's best album is? or what, what, what would you at least pick as your favorite album from Kendrick, if not the best? I'm going to go ahead
1: and be real damn what? excuse me, Damn Period is the huh. best album. It's my favorite.
0: Damn, okay, okay. I mean, it was, to me, I liked it. It was definitely cool, but I'm going I'm to say personally, I'm going to put Good Kid Mad City on top of Damn, but I'm going to put uh, To Pippa Butterfly above both of those. That's my favorite one for mm, sure. That's unfortunate. And, hey, look, So that's why we're here, so it's time for that beat match to everybody who's listening. Me and EB will go back and forth. We have three minutes to, to, to you know, explain our case, then we have two rebuttals, and then we have our producers, Melissa and the lady, give us their final verdict on what they think is the correct winner. So EB is my guest. I'll let you explain. Why do you think Damn is Kendrick's you know, ultimate album? Like, What, what would make you say? I will
1: say this. Although it wasn't his first, second, or third, it was his fourth studio release, Um, the major thing that sticks out to me about Damn is that it was such a conceptual album and not just conceptual and, Oh yeah, you're going to play these songs they are going to make sense. But there was a special edition release where you could play it in reverse and it still made perfect sense. I think that to me really stood out about it because it told me that he put a lot of thought into it. Um, I think that by the time that he released Damn, he was, I don't want to say a seasoned musician, but he was pretty seasoned. And then it's just the guests that he had on. He had Rihanna. He had Bad Bad No Good. He had Mike Will Made It. He had Steve Lacey. He had Ninth Wonder. He had U2. I think that, not for me, but for Kendrick, it kind of conceptualized his entire understanding of hip hop and who he was as a human. You know, as a young black male, um, expressing ourselves can kind of be difficult sometimes. And I feel that he did that well. I think Damn was a statement of consciousness. It was a statement of uh, different elements of music, not just hip hop, but also R&B and trap and pop. Um, but I also think that what he put into it was his heart and soul, which is evident in the way that the album plays out by the track listing and that you can play the track listing back to back or front to back and then back to front and it still tell a story. And I've said this before on the show, but I love conceptual albums. Whenever an album is created for a certain purpose and can tell a story from front to back. In my book, it's perfect. But when you can also take that same album and you can play it from back to front and it still makes sense, I feel like there was a lot of love put into it. There was a lot of um, thoughts. There was a lot of meditation. Uh, You know, Kendrick is from the West, so I don't really relate to the West in the same way that most people do. But When he released the album, I did hear that he was being or trying to be different than everyone else was. Like He wasn't going for the same melodic rap that everybody was going for around that year. Um, He wasn't going for what would hit number one on the pop charts. What he was doing is it was a statement of his identity, but it was also a statement of blackness. Um, And I know... To Pimp a Butterfly was also a
0: great in <laughs> a blackness. Oh, time. Oh, yeah. okay, Time, time, time. Okay. So, so yeah, with that, I definitely get that. I mean, I feel like there's no way for me to down talk a Kendrick album, but I feel like To Pimp a Butterfly was just at a different level in every way. So, when we talk about concepts, it was even a stronger overall direct storyline. And I'll say it, of course, it can't be a spoiler alert because it's 60 years old. If you ain't heard it by now, you ain't heard it. But... I wish my boy hadn't spoiled it for me because before I even got to listen to it, he was like, yeah, it's dope. And it's dope how like at the end, uh, he, he basically is like writing a letter to Tupac. And I'm like, when he said it, I didn't really care. But when I heard the whole album, I realized if I hadn't realized that, it would have hit even harder because basically the way that the whole album builds up and each each skit is like, at the end of each song, he's kind of building on that poem. At the very end, it's like he's basically talking, talking Tupac. And it's like, just that being the underlying you know, concept of it, but making each song connect where I feel like it's one of those things. It's similar to a movie where you have two types of movies. Especially with comedies, you can just show a two-minute clip and it's like, it's amazing. But with certain movies, you have to watch and see how it builds on each other. And that's the way this album is. I think if people just talk about it by songs, like standout songs, they're there for sure. But seeing how it all connects makes a lot more sense. So even with that, most of us didn't care for the first single all that much. When we heard I, it was like, this is decent, it's cool. You, you was the Isley brothers, okay, whatever. But when you hear it in the context of that album and how it comes on before Mortal Man, it makes a lot more sense. And I think about the song that I actually like the least um on there is probably you. If I heard you on its own, cause it's just so chaotic, the loving you is complicated, is there so much happening? I would be confused if I heard it, because it's just like a lot going on. But when you hear it in the middle of that album and see how it's showing it's chaotic on purpose. It's showing how conflicted he is. It's showing that there's not, this, this song was not meant to be a vibe or a groove like how uh, King Kunta was. It's, it's, it's meant to make you uncomfortable and to almost make you hate it, but he's showing you that's how he felt in that moment and how he, how he resolves and flips from that side. From there, he goes into All Right. All Right is one of the most powerful songs of the last 10 years by far. It's randomly, but it's one of the only hip hop songs to be a radio hit and club song since the 90s to have a horn playing. It just shows how experimental he was. And to get into that, the whole album was so experimental because he's merging jazz and funk that we hadn't really heard merged together in so long, especially on a commercial release. Like, And even in the 90s, you had one or the other. A lot of times you would hear some of the East Coast stuff that had a jazz influence, the Tribe Called Quest or even like a Digital Planets. You heard the, the Chronic and Doggy Style have funk. He brought them both together and made it sound extremely modern, where the jazz sounds like straight-ahead jazz on For Free the Interlude, but even with that, take his words off, and that that's going to appeal to a jazz head. So I feel like musically, uh, this album is just on a different level, where if you're not an actual jazz head or even soul head, you probably won't like it the same way. So whenever I do hear people who don't like the album, it's because they like more of the hip-hop, straight-up, boom-bap Kendrick. So I get why Adam or even Good Kid, Mad City appealed to certain people more, because they had more of those standout songs more of those club hits, more of those radio hits. But with this album, I feel like it was just something. Well, I'm, I'm glad sense that, way. that you
1: brought up the chaos because if you listen to a song like Humble um, and then you listen to a song like DNA, you listen to the second verse and you're, you're realizing oh wait, Kendrick just going off and I know Mike Will made it, produced it, but that wasn't his plan for it. But That was Kendrick's plan. He was like, yeah, I want it to sound chaotic. I want it to contrast with the music. And we bring that in. And then you think about the singles that came from Damn. You got Loyalty with Rihanna. Like, you got... She made music. I mean, you got, you know, I mean, I'm just being real. Humble was a, a big diss to Big Sean. And he put this on an album... Without making that the focus of an album That he had this rivalry or this Hatred or whatever Towards Big Sean Um, And then you got A song like Lust with Bad Bad No Good You know you got Again Humble was his first single And It was his first number one single That he ever had in his Entire career That's not something that people Do often and I think like you talked about, you talked about, you know, the album told the story and it was whatever. Yeah, but with Damn, it told the story frontwards and backwards. So you can listen to the album one way, track by track, and hear a certain story, and you could listen to it in reverse and hear a story and make sense. So I feel like more thought was put into it. It was more love. It was more heart. Um, I don't think Kendrick... Well, I will say this. Kendrick is not out of the present-day rappers. He's not the average. He is one of the best. And I'm not sure if that's his L.A. roots or if that's just his musical
0: knowledge. But that's what it is. I mean, I definitely get that. What I was saying about these, uh, the singles is that I would say, yeah, damn, had to stand out singles. And what's a little bit ironic is that you mentioned that he wasn't really going for radio or the club and I personally see "Damn" as the album that he actually attempted that, because that's the reason he had the Rihanna-type track, and I feel like he made them all fit within the concept, but I do think that he was going for radio, having a kind of a bouncy club song with Humble, and he did a good job with that, but I feel like to Pimp a Butterfly, he was focused more so on the album connecting and making sense as a storyline, so I feel like it's where when you take the songs and isolate them, they don't always have the same impact, and of course, All Right was a huge single, King Kuto was a moderate single, but... When you see how they're all flowing and how they all make sense together, like hearing how he goes from institutionalized having having the beat switch up and talking about how it feels to be at that level where you're kind of stuck within your own prison of yourself, and then going into these walls, and that's what leads into you to just show that you've been you know burying so much within yourself that like you don't even know how to get out of it, and then that's when the album kind of turns from going darker and darker and darker to. Overnight into all right, and that's the reason that that hits so hard. And then the next song comes in when it's for sale. The interlude that's is, is basically kind of talking about how how it is to sell your soul, and it's like, okay, I, I realize how to be happy, but do I have to sell my soul to get there? And I feel like, as far as the way that the concepts work, even beyond just the concept, the music on it is just so dope. I feel like the songs are a lot more evolved than damn. Like damn had good strong production, but I feel like the the overall production on these songs, like it feels like you're listening to a R and B soul album, like when you hear a song like "These Walls," hearing the breakdowns at the end, hearing Robert Glasper playing keys at the end, you know, doing that, and even hearing like the for free interlude is nothing but like uh It feels like you're watching the uh, Spike Lee movie when you hear that because it's like even the way it, that it, it resolves itself is where Spike Lee is, is known for having those montages, where it's just the jazz going, all these different scenes showing, like he channels Spike Lee with that song, I would say for sure, and then just having those like the Slum Village common style of. Two songs on one track. That's real yeah. dope and all. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I feel like yep. Dan was a better album. First of all, it became the first non-jazz or classical work to earn a Pulitzer Prize. Not a Grammy, not an American Music Award, not a Soul Train Award, not a BET Award, like, not a CBS Plus, a Paramount Plus, or <laughs> whatever award. <laughs> like, it won a Pulitzer yeah. Prize. Um, For music, and it also won Best Album at the Grammys, and then you also had him winning Best Song at the Grammys. I think that his intention was to separate himself from his earlier works, which include um, that album that you're talking about that we don't know. But um, <laughs> I think it, that was his intention. And then also, I think when you look at him having Bad, Bad, No Good, him having Rihanna, him having you 2 on the album, is that he was kind of expanding his horizons in a way, you know, with like Steve Lacey and James Blake in a way that he hadn't before. And just looking at the singles, like Be Humble and, you know, Rihanna, loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. And like, lo- like he was making a statement, a statement that told the story And he told that story literally frontwards and backwards, because if you bought the app, the collector's edition, you could hear it backwards and it would still make perfect sense. I think he conceptualized a great album that most people, you know, um, they, they, they won't default to because they'll automatically go to whatever album you're talking about. But what he was doing was setting his next album up for success and He wanted to express himself, and I think he did that very well. I think that if you were to ask the average person about their f- Kendrick songs, most of them would come from Damn.
0: I mean, I don't think so at all. I think I don't even think Good Kid Man City might have even more of their favorite songs, but either way, I would say, um, yeah, overall, you talk about the features. I mean, the fact that he had Pharrell Williams, he had. Layla Hathaway, Rasan Patterson, Bilal, Snoop, George Kling, you know, one of our funk idols, Thundercat, Ron Isley. Like, when it comes to just the overall guests, and he made them all act as basically as characters within the whole, the whole album was felt like a film. It wasn't like he just had them as guests just to sing a hook or just to, whatever it was. He had, he had them each come in and kind of play their role as if they were actual characters. And just the way it all came together, the way it finishes on Mortal Man is just so, so brilliant to me. I feel like, that's the perfect, you know, the perfect way to end it. Everything from the content and everything that he was saying on there. And then to have that poem, you know, to Tupac at the end of that. And it's just like, you know, the way it ends. Pop, you know. I think it's such a brilliant way to tie everything together. And is just, it's at that level of, I would say, top 10 rap albums of all time, if you ask me personally. I don't see how it can be, I don't see how some folks don't understand how dope it is, but maybe it is because it's so musical. I think it is a lot of texture to it that it takes times and times to listen to it over again. If you hear it for only one time, it might not hit you the same way, but I think every time I listen to it, I hear something new in there, and that's always a sign. And I have a different favorite song every other day when I listen to it. I feel like mm-hmm. depending on what mood I'm in, certain songs grab me. It might be h- h- politics when I'm feeling aggressive. It might be complexion when I feel like vibing and hearing that Rhapsody verse. If I'm feeling a little bit deeper, it might be how much does the dollar cost? I think each song speaks in its own way, and that's the reason that I would say it's, a, it's the uh, superior album, and I would say it's the best hip-hop album of the last 10 years. That's what I would say. So I gotta roll with it. So, damn, I think it's a very solid project. I think it's his third best, arguably fourth. I might even like section 80. I'm not gonna say damn is not as good as section 80, but I'm gonna We're, I say we're only I like talking section about major more. releases here. So don't, don't, don't do that. Hey, either way, I'm saying it, it, it ain't touching that to pimp a butterfly to me. So that's the way I'm seeing it. And I'll rest my case. So with that. We'll be moving on to our producers to give us uh, their verdict. So, Melissa and the lady—I'm sure the lady went to one of those Kendrick concerts. That is the running gag, of course. So it's not even a gag, no. I feel like
1: the lady produced two or three of them, and I think it's no because listen, the lady is very accomplished in what she does. So a lot of the stuff that we talk about, she is produced, directed. And actively been involved in. So we get the first hand least, knowledge that other people won't. She usually
0: plays at least three uh
1: At least saxophone, piano, yeah. and drums. Listen. Y'all, y'all. Come on. Every time. Every and she better three than instruments. Shaka Khan. I'm not gonna say that Anyway. Shaka Khan, but uh, 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 anyway, save it, save it. Save <laughs> it.
0: No, I, I have seen him a lot. Love him. Um I actually Saw when he was filming outside of Staples Center, a music video for All Right, and he was standing oh. on. You sent me that video. I remember. The, uh, the light in the street. So, anyway, um, I'm going with To Pimp Butterfly. I <laughs> do love both of these albums. Um, I feel like my husband played a lot of Damn, but based on these arguments, uh, yeah, yeah,
2: To Pimp Butterfly right. is. Uh, oh,
0: i let him know he has a fan. <laughs> Uh, to but It's definitely the one for me tonight, though. All right. Uh, hey, hey. There it is. All right. The lady was ready, and I appreciate it. She was ready for it, as oh, always. Wow. So.
1: Black women. You know, you got to... Black women always ready. I just... Damn.
0: Stay ready. If
1: Every you stay ready, time. you don't have to get ready. And apparently, the lady never has to get ready. I because, don't ever. <laughs> damn.
0: Ready for it every time. I don't know so. that he has a
1: fan. Wow.
0: Well, Damn. Um, and she said it so casually. Yeah. So. so Melissa, yeah. So um, I love Kendrick Lamar. He's my number two. Um, Good Kid, Matt City is my favorite. So this puts these on a better playing field. I think based on these arguments, I have to go with DJ Artistic for this one. That's cool. Okay, okay. It's crazy that it shows that even between me, you, and then EB, like we all have different favorite albums from Kendrick. It just shows how, because ain't too many rappers, we can split up like that. I feel like usually everybody has the same favorite album, and then we argue after that. But yeah. But also,
1: when we were texting earlier, my my second favorite was Good Kid, Mad City, and now that I know Melissa loves it, I should have went with that one, but I... Uh, and also, uh, let me, maybe, full maybe, disclosure, maybe. When, once I got to Maryland and I was rushing, my brother-in-law is the hip-hop genius, and I'm like, what's Kendrick's best album? And he also said it's a Pimper Butterfly. And I was like, no, but tell me how Damn could be better. Like, how <laughs> what like what would make Damn win? And he yeah. wasn't able to give me that. So I'll give you Damn this Damn is win. actually right.
0: my number two.
1: Uh-huh. so. Oh, well, okay. So we I said based uh-oh. on the arguments though. Based on the arguments. Yeah. Argument. I hey. was trying to all right. Well. <laughs> hey. It's Thanksgiving. Well, you know them. I think you should give grace because the pilgrims and the Indians did. The
0: people fuck have the spoken. Pilgrims. The people have spoken. Fuck the, fuck the pilgrims. Fuck them. Fuck them. Hey. Well, everybody who's tuned in, I appreciate y'all for listening. This was Behind the Wheels. So we appreciate Emmy-winning comedian Ronji for stopping through. Of course. So um, make sure you check us out. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because, we, you know, everyone finds us from finding those reviews. So we also do have a playlist for you. We have a Spotify playlist for you. Um, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, email us at BehindTheWheelsPod at gmail.com. Hit us up on social media, hashtag BehindTheWheelsPod. pod. And EB, where can they find you at? They can
1: find me on everything at E B for Prez, E B for the number four, Perez is P-R-E-Z. So E B for Prez, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you can find me.
0: There it is. And I'm at DJ R T-I-S-T-I-C, Instagram, Twitter, uh I guess MySpace got new, a new new app for some, so I might hop on there soon. Yeah, they they came back. MySpace. OG Tom is back. Oh, so well, yeah. let me wait. Oh, I yeah. might
1: I oh, I got to look and see if I'm still envy for pres on MySpace, but yeah.
0: I can't find mine anymore, but that's what it that's is. That's okay, so. we can take it back. Yeah. Take back hopefully the Hopefully hopefully nobody took it took it from you. So, I appreciate you all for being tuned in once again. This is Behind the Wheels. We will see you all next episode. Out. Behind the Wheels is produced by Melissa DeMonts and the Lady Set, And the music is provided by Epidemic Sound.